0: And welcome to Irreverent Testimony, brought to you by Netroots Radio, the political podcast and for millennial and Gen Xer types from a left-wing perspective. It is Friday, February 1st, 2019. That's right, we're doing a Friday night show for various reasons that you don't have to worry about. Uh, I'm Travis. I'm Rachel. Well, do you want to tell them why we're doing a Friday show? I mean, show? <laughs> you
1: guys, so I'm doing a Friday night podcast. I don't normally do these because... Weeks are long and like, well, we're beat on Friday night. Yeah. Yeah. But this weekend is sort of crazy for like personal reasons of just like my niece's birthday parties tomorrow. We've got to help somebody move. move band we, pra-
0: my band practice got moved to Saturdays. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a whole thing. And so. then
1: on Sunday, Trav's taking me to a play. Which I'm very excited about. That's
0: right, and and then straight to a Super Bowl party from the party.
1: But that we're doing all of that, so we decided that like tonight probably would be best to do this. So, um, I've been sick all week. I got the fucking flu that everybody else had two weeks ago. Uh, I feel a lot better today, so I think I'm fine. But like, you know, uh, I yeah. so So that's it for
0: the personal stuff. (laughs) Now on to the uh, fate of the world. All right. Where do you want to start? I mean,
1: where do you want to start? I
0: don't even know. Uh, Okay, boy. Well, we can go chronologically from earlier in the week or reverse chronologically. I mean, okay. Well, let's go with what's on my mind. Uh, First, I mean, we're going to get to Northam and we're going to get to Cory Booker and we're going to get... To all that stuff, but let's start with this really bizarre media fascination with Howard Schultz oh. deciding to run for president right. as a third party. Now, there's a bunch of other also-rans out there and people you'll never had never heard of and will never hear of who are, have thrown their na- their hats in the ring. But most of them are, are running as Democrats, right? Right. And and Trump may get a token challenge from somewhere, but I guess since Howard Schultz said I'm running as an independent, and the, and like I am, I am going as the alternative. What is he running on? Oh, I'm going to get to that. That's the problem. I mean- so uh, let me let me back up. <laughs> In case you're living under a rock, <laughs> Howard That's Schultz... not even true.
1: I didn't know who he was until you told me. I was like, who the fuck is Howard well, Schultz?
0: Well, I mean, now you know with all the coverage. Sure. But if you didn't know before, then he was the CEO, or I guess is the CEO or was the CEO of Starbucks.
1: Is he like the founder though, or just like became a CEO later? Do you know?
0: Uh, there were two founders. Oh. Uh, him and this other guy whose so, But name... he was
1: like an original founder yes. of the company. Yes. Okay.
0: And, and, and to his credit, unlike Trump, he really was like a self-made guy that came from virtually nothing mm-hmm. and founded this coffee company. He didn't inherit a business. He didn't inherit, you know, $40 million to start his own thing. Like he, he built the company. Good for him. Uh, not so good for Seattle. And there's a lot of stuff I could get into there, but most people have already covered that. But let me just tell you this. I used to work for Starbucks. Right. I worked for Starbucks for about a year. And I still have friends who do, and for a service job like that, it's a pretty good job. It's not the best job; it's not perfect, but the starting pay is decent. Uh, they don't raise you up a lot if you, if you work there a long time, which is problematic. But the starting pay is decent. The benefits are good. You can get benefits, at least it used to be, if you only, even if you only work part time, right. which is unheard of. Yes, for the most part. Yeah. Um and it's a pretty good work culture, uh, kind of depending on who your manager is, but for the most part, there's a reason the why the company
1: overall tries to make a certain type of culture when you work there. That is like well, not well garbage. Well, right? let me not let me toxic.
0: let me put it this way, okay? When you walk into a Starbucks, the the baristas and the cashiers are are generally perky and cheerful and helpful. And friendly, right? Yes. When you walk into a Burger King or a Wendy's, the employees generally look like they want to drink bleach. Yes. Like they're just ready to off themselves. I think that's true. And their lives are miserable. And there's a reason for that. Right. There's a reason for that. And it's not just because Starbucks goes out of their way to hire perky, energetic people. I mean, I used to work there and I am not perky and energetic. No, you are not
1: at all. And it's not because you can enforce the idea like that's what a lot of people think well starbucks is that way because you make people be that way and no they like, try to do
0: that at burger make king
1: people i'm sure they do i'm yeah. sure they do that at every service company that exists every fast food restaurant every restaurant every place tries to enforce the idea that you have to be pleasant and perky and it doesn't work, as you know, if you've ever gone to, I don't know, any fast food restaurant. Yeah, literally any. are not happy, No, right?
0: they look absolutely miserable and, they, and they're and they not very are. good at their jobs and they make mistakes and who can blame them? They're getting paid, you know, slave labor wages, basically, yeah. and it's garbage. And um, so when you walk into a Starbucks, it's usually very different and that's because their employees are generally treated better. Now that's not to say it's perfect <laughs> by any means right. and Starbucks as this big conglomerate is problematic in plenty of ways believe right. me but
1: And like don't email me if you work for I mean do I guess email us if you have a terrible Starbucks working experience oh, No course. people do Like but of course of course that's of course that's true People do Of course that's true and also what you're saying is that like the culture and also the like actual like things that you get paid and the benefits that you get paid are better
0: they are yeah they did so and i know that i know that firsthand right i was surprised cuz i you know i was young at the time i was <laughs> i i had my degree but i was trying to make it with a band that was touring and i needed just you know part time work and i walked in and i expected it to be like these other horrible service jobs i worked and i was pleasantly surprised that it was way better right and generally i enjoyed working there there are very few jobs i've ever had where i can say i enjoyed working there right very few right um, which is why I more or less work for myself now. Right. So in any event, the point is Howard Schultz could have run on that. Right. He could have run on and say, like, I, I had this company and I raised it in this huge thing and it was a good place to work and it is a good place to work. And and he Here's could have got his people to back in that up.
1: Is that like I paid my employees a fair wage and I gave them benefits even if they were part time and yes. I gave them time off and I gave them free yes. coffee. And I did things that made their quality of life just sort of in even like sort of microwaves better. Yeah. Um, and I believed in doing that because that's a thing I believe in and that's what I'm running on.
2: Yeah.
0: Now, no, he, didn't, he, didn't he hasn't not, said any nope, of that. I
1: don't think that's been uttered by him at, ever. The
0: rollout by Howard Schultz for this quote-unquote presidential campaign has been so bad, you almost have to stop and wonder if it's like performance art. If it's like some weird like James Franco thing. Like, I'm going to pretend to quote, run for president.
1: As an independent. As an
0: independent and do it so badly that it's comedic and see that, if like, anybody I'm actually goes to for it. I'm trying to prove a point yes. that like
1: this is how far we've come. This is how far we've fallen. Is that like a billionaire who actually did good things (laughs) isn't running on that. is instead running on the fact that he doesn't want to pay more taxes and he's afraid of AOC. Yeah. Like that's what he's literally saying out loud. And you're like, what is happening? Yeah. Now, now
0: his, his opening message was both parties are bad and they can't get anything done. so So you need me as an independent. And then everybody listened. Um, and everybody perk their ears up and say, "Okay, let's hear this." And his literal entire message is, "Don't raise my taxes," and he he won't even say why. Right. Like,
1: the- is he suffering under an undue tax burden currently that he can prove to us? Can he show us that, like, as a rich guy, I'm unable to do better things with well, my money well, no. because what of he, my tax what, burden? What he's I mean, saying if you were is, to, no. Hold on. If you were to do that, right? If you were to yeah. be a like rich guy and be like. Here's the numbers. Here's why I can't do better things. For I my could hire so many, or many more people. Whatever, yeah. whatever. So this is why taxes. Whatever. No, he's just like, nope. I'm just rich and I don't want to pay taxes. Yeah. It, it, so I'm going to run as an independent on the idea that I don't want to pay taxes. And and they're, and they're asking like, him like, well,
0: what is your policy? What do you? Oh, I it's it's hypothetical. So I'm not going to get into it. I'm not right. going to tell you that. I'm not. Right. No. And then, like the only thing he has done to this point is basically like piss on democrats right uh particularly yet yeah, young aocs
1: or, and like betos and like, yeah more yeah. or more
0: mm-hmm. aggressive ones that want these marginal tax rates yes and he's just very blunt about that to like i don't want my taxes raised like what are you running on that i don't have to pay a lot more taxes i don't want to pay more taxes like okay like, okay well why don't you
1: just like Pour a bunch of money into Donald <laughs> Trump's campaign, and then like, then done, right? right. Like, it, just be like uh, support Republicans, but like, it's but it but what, it's, even what's the point? it's even worse.
0: It's even worse because you watch him, and he is a completely uncharismatic, boring asshole. Right. He has no platform he's as boring as sawdust and just a, so, a like, just,
1: what is the point then what, i'm, I'm like, literally what, asking you yeah what is the point he won't tell us Whoa. the
0: only Why? thing he will tell us is i don't want my taxes raised that's his entire platform okay, well, vote you howard schultz so my taxes don't go up
1: rich, that, that might as well be on his poster guy because that's what we really care about these days that's that's those are the people that we are really like inspired by, is the rich assholes who are like, no, I don't want to pay more taxes. So
0: his rollout has been an absolute disaster. It was so bad. The first couple days, he even stepped back and been like, well, I'm, I'm still going to think about it some more. Then he came back a day later and just hit the circuit like, no, he's definitely running. And it, it got worse. And I, there was rumors that Steve Schmidt might be advising him and these other people. And I'm
1: independent, right? Because these Republicans have to have a home. They need a home. So they're like, I can't fucking support Democrats, and I hate Trump, so let's just pick a dude like this guy. Well, it's, or like <laughs> Hickenlooper, who's about to announce. Or well, anyone not even Hick. that's Hick's not... too liberal. Um, I don't think so. I think it's just like literally anyone who is not like either side of the coin. But that's just, a
0: really good point, and that's, right? that's like what Kegro says, like libertarians are libertarians... Because the Republican Party already has leaders, so they have to start their own thing that they can be the head of, right? Right. Like, because they're they are Republicans in every way, shape, or form with a right. very with very token. Idea of smaller government and and you know
1: every economic policy not that you too can much debt right? and
0: personal freedom mm-hmm. of course,
1: mm-hmm.
0: but of course they're all anti-choice and you know
1: or that's not actually true for most libertarians. A lot of them are like no, like I don't care if you get an abortion and I don't, well, don't not, care. not if the you, Paul family if you I don't I think I don't know if that's true. N- no, but, that is very um, true with
0: them. Very a true. a lot of
1: libertarians though are very much like. Drugs should be legal and abortion should be legal and everything should be legal because there should really not be a government. Oh, oh yeah. When you're talking and about the beret hat wearing guys, not the ones in government. don't care if poor people die because they're poor. I don't care about that. <laughs> Right. They should die because they're poor because they did something wrong and it's a moral failure. Right? But, ba- but back to, which, so, is, which is republicanism. Mm-hmm, it's just in a different is. flavor. Exactly.
0: Yes. But yep. at, back to Howard Schultz. So he's doing these like the media is really fascinated, like, oh, this is so exciting. We actually get a third party. No, they're thinking Perot and and everybody's going crazy. And, you know, can he is he going to rat fuck Democrats? Wait, he's going to rat fuck Republicans. And and I'm thinking, like, where's this guy's constituency? Who is who is excited about this? Who, you know, like
1: whose base? What base is he exciting right now? I would love to know. (laughs) I would love to know what base he's exciting right now.
0: I I think you have a very, very just uneducated politically just class of people out there just like, I'm so sick of the two parties.
1: Any independent. Oh, he owns Starbucks. He must be good at business. Great.
0: I don't even think they think that far. It's just some guy who's not a Democrat or Republican. Okay, but I don't even know if he's got that at this point because they finally did some polling and his favorability among Democrats and independents and Republicans is... Four percent four. that's his favorability forget about you know in favorability usually is way better than like okay you throw them in there on a generic ballot and what does it look like like if you got four percent you have zero as far as people are actually going to vote for you like favorability is like way better way better. Like all the democratic candidates are going to have really high favorability, but they can't all get 50-60% of the vote. So if you have 4% favor those are like even like, oh yeah, he seems okay. Like, oh, would you vote
2: for him? It's <laughs> like
1: sure, Pio on the Republicans. It's like the it's like Roy Moore. It's like no, no, everyone hates you. You're a garbage person and nobody likes oh, you. Roy and Moore had way
0: better favorability, but like with Republicans, my my point is this like does <laughs> Like, what is he even doing? All he has been doing is shitting on Democrats who have uh, more progressive tax policy. Like, he, he came out with this thing. I mean, it used to be like, Trump's really bad. And he hasn't said a word about Trump. He hasn't said a word.
1: It's amazing to me, though, like, who the, like, I'm not trying to say that I'm the smartest person in the room, but I'm a saying who the fuck is on his messaging team that is like, this is the message that's going to get to Democratic base voters, which is what we're talking about in primaries. We're not talking about the general public, right? We're talking about if you're an independent, you gotta go after one base or another or find a common message that resonates with I, everyone. I,
0: I don't think that's As after. As an independent
1: voter, your message, which is not resonating on the left or the right, Anywhere. everyone, everyone thinks rich people are assholes, is... I'm a rich asshole and you shouldn't make me pay more taxes. <laughs> yeah. That's his message. And they're just like, this is a really good message. You should do that. And someone is saying that to him, and I just want to be like, What is who are you paying? You can pay me and I will do a way better. I,
0: I don't think any, like, I don't think he is following advisor's advice. I just think he sucks. I think What he, is
1: the point though? He doesn't know how to get a message point? across. What is the point? I don't I don't wanna, know. Like when some weird vanity somebody, project, like, AOC comes out and is like, "Yes, we should have a seventy to ninety percent marginal tax rate for the people who make over this amount of money." Blah blah blah, and like makes a really great economic argument about that. And then people are like, "Great, yep, that sounds good." Even like independent voters are like, well, "Yeah, uh, I hold- like it." Hold on, but even independent voters, when polled, or like, "No, that makes sense. That makes fucking sense." But it
0: makes no sense. And then
1: he's like, "Oh no, I." I'm running on a platform that's the antithesis of that. As an independent with no party affiliation, to say that I, as a billionaire, should not have to pay any amount of tax. But that doesn't
0: make any sense, right? A- exactly. No, 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 no. It's worse than that. AOC has been in Congress for a month. This guy Schultz claims he's been thinking about this for fifteen years and the country has been going in the wrong direction for decades and this is why I did that. Oh, so why are you running? Because this freshman congressperson who's been in office a month says she wants to raise my taxes. Like how do you how do you make any rational sense I, of that? I, I- so that's what made you decide like, to
1: run? You want to pick on the person who's the most popular Congress person <laughs> right now? Well, next to Nancy Pelosi maybe. I mean, if your platform just is like, mm, the, the
0: 28-year-old mm. kid from the Bronx who has literally been in Congress for 1 month has so terrified me of losing my money, that's why I'm running. And like he can't he can't even get the You know, the 4chan people who hate her with that. No. Like he's got nothing.
1: No, No, because his entire platform is I don't want to actually pay taxes do you (laughs) want me to be your president? Everyone's like, no.
0: Yeah, and that's... No, I don't. And and the the media refuses to acknowledge that because every day in the morning on MSNBC, they're still like, oh, is this going to... There's infighting with the Democrats. Is this going to come back to bite them? And this fiscal policy is too extreme. Like, you're not looking at the numbers. You're not
1: listening to anyone. Everybody is ready for this.
0: It's polling positively with Republicans going back to a marginal tax rate. Correct.
1: So Because the history serves us really well in this way. When, in that history serves us that we can look at when the most profitable sort of like not profitable I guess that's the wrong word but sort of most like uh, booming time for our country where we built the best middle class where we did all of these things yeah. is when we have the tax rate that is actually lower or higher than what AOC is proposing. Yeah, post-World
0: War II, the 50s. Right, and, right. And, and, and Eisenhower
1: and the New Deal and all the things and and they paid 90%. She's proposing 70 and when they paid 90%, they were fine. When
0: we've explained how a marginal tax rate works, it is not, if you're have rich, we? it is not 70 or 90% of your income. It's after you reach a certain threshold of ludicrous wealth.
1: Okay, so let's just be really clear, though. We already have a marginal tax rate. That's the system that we live under. She's proposing, Yeah, but it only goes up
0: to, like, 25 She's proposing that
1: we change the tax rate of the highest among those, but, like, my dad used to say to me... Well, there's no point in me getting a raise because they'll just tax me higher. Right? And <laughs> like and like No, and like, no I'm like, Dad. No no no, 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 like that's not how it works. That's not how it so, works. We haven't explained this already. I'm gonna do like a real rough, just basic two second like if you make under a certain amount of money and I think it's like depends on your family size, right? But it's about like thirty, forty thousand dollars a year for a family of four. You pay like nothing, right? You don't pay taxes, you're exempt yeah. from paying taxes you're single it's lower than that if you have more kids than that it's higher than that but basically that's how it well goes.
0: let's let's make it even simpler. then you
1: go like okay you make a hundred thousand you make 250,000 you make you know a million right your tax rate inches up a little bit for every month, about like every raise that you get however what that means is that every dollar that you make up to that tax exempt dollar is not taxed every dollar that you make to the next level is Only the amount between, like, let's say, the thirty thousand and the hundred thousand. So that seventy thousand dollars that you made, is the only amount of money that is taxed at a higher rate.
0: Well, my dad made the same mistake. It's funny you mentioned that your dad. My dad's like, oh, you're in a higher tax bracket now, so watch out. No, no, no. uh, Let me let me let's explain it even simpler. Let's say you make forty five thousand dollars and you're at a comfortable tax bracket that you're used to, and you're not gonna. It's Mm -hmm. not surprising. Let's say Mm -hmm. it's I don't know twenty percent, and then. If you get over the threshold of fifty thousand, then that goes up to twenty five percent. Now, then you get a raise all of a sudden, and now instead of forty five thousand, you're making fifty five thousand. Americans think that now that they're making fifty five thousand, they're paying twenty five percent of their total income. No, you are paying the same twenty percent up to that fifty thousand, and it's just that extra five thousand that is now taxed at a higher rate. Just that. Right, and that's what we're talking about with bringing back these higher marginal, marginal tax rates on multi multimillionaires, and that cutoff could right. be ten million or fifty million. Right.
1: So she proposed ten million dollars. So after you, that's make, a starting
0: point. Remember, after
1: you make ten million dollars in one year, not in, after you have it. It's not assets. No, they're not. Right? No, they're
0: not this taxing is, your assets. I
1: have made in this year my income for this year is ten million dollars. Every dollar I make after ten million dollars in this one year, not my asset, just every dollar I make after ten million dollars will be taxed at seventy percent. Mm-hmm. I don't see how that's unfair.
0: It's not if you made $1 million dollars in a year. Stupidly rich.
1: Or like let's say eleven million. So if you made eleven million dollars in that year, that last million
0: It'll pre- yeah. is
1: gonna be charged at seventy percent. Yes. Tax rate. The $10 million is charged at a normal tax rate. That last million you made, that's 70%. You got to pay. Now, if you made $11 million in a year, it's very likely that you have a lot of assets, that you have a lot of things that created a, a situation where you were able to make $11 million right in a year. Yeah. I don't know anyone who can make that kind of money without, like, I don't know. Right? And so it's just that last million. And, like, do you did you need to... Make more than ten million dollars in a year?
0: <laughs> the rich people sure think seem to think so. Then so then you'll
1: make ten million three hundred thousand dollars that year. And seven hundred thousand dollars of your eleven million dollars will be paid in taxes.
2: hmm
1: Well, plus the other ten million, right? Uh, which guess what? If you're rate. a business
0: owner, it's probably gonna go into things like healthcare. And insurance and stuff that maybe you don't have to pay anymore. Like, you're, you're going to see benefits from that, even if it, it doesn't show up directly in, in your tax return.
1: Yes. But,
0: look, that's besides the point right now. But anyway, the yes. The point is,
1: it's that last million that's 70%. Yes. Now, let's say you make $25 million in one year. That's just
0: In one income, year. Income. More than you'll assets. need in a lifetime.
1: Income. In one year, twelve months was twenty-five million dollars. Okay, fifteen million of those dollars is you're going to get be taxed, taxed at seventy percent. Yep. So you keep your ten million, and then you keep thirty percent of the other fifteen million. I don't think that's unreasonable.
0: It is not unreasonable, and it is how it works in almost every other civilized country. And
1: it is how it ha- it worked the most effectively in the fifties. Yes. In this country is what built the middle booming
0: countries. economy, and you people could afford. Uh, nice houses on one salary, which is why, yeah. you know, part of the reason why, like, we should go back to the 50s where women stayed in the home. Well, guess what? They could afford to back then.
1: White women, to be fair.
0: Yes. White women. Women in the suburbs. Women in the suburbs, if they wanted to do that now, generally couldn't even afford to no. do that if no. they wanted to. No.
1: no. So, anyway. You and I can't afford to live on one income. <laughs> Fuck no. Fuck no. Nobody no. I know can afford to live on one income, especially when you have kids. Yeah. Right. And so, what we're saying is, we're going back to making America great again when we used to charge the ultra rich a 70 to 90% marginal tax rate.
0: And that is very popular. And now, finally, it makes
1: sense. If you explain it, people are like, well, of course, yeah. Finally,
0: Democrats have the balls to run on that. Some of them, not all of them. There's still plenty of skittish ones out there. I know. But anyway, here's the problem with getting back to Schultz and wrapping up this kind of whole. Theme here. The problem with Schultz is this. Coming from a research background, what I had hoped was that Schultz would run a normal campaign as a as a rich billionaire white guy with some milquetoast centrist platform. Right. Mm-hmm. It turns out he's got no platform and he has no charisma. Nothing. Right. So I, what I, I hoped was <laughs> he would. The first polls would come out and he'd do terribly. And then it would be like the message like, yeah, we're not interested <laughs> in, in self-made or rich assholes or any kind of rich white assholes who want to run some uh, some kind of milk toast platform. There's nothing there for that. And fuck the billionaire class already.
1: Mm-hmm. They're
0: not entitled to anything. But the problem is he's so bad and his, his rollout has been so bad. Those are what, what in science and research we call confounding factors. <laughs> like, Can I
1: explain what that means?
0: Uh, okay. Okay. So let's say you, you take a survey. You're a person who takes a survey on your overall cardiovascular health. And they're asking you about your eating habits. And your eating habits are uh, okay or not great. And then they get some data from that. But they don't ask you whether you're a smoker. And if you are a smoker, that is a confounding factor. So if you take some study on, you know, how how many, how much, how much leafy greens you eat in a week and you're trying to compile some data for that and you're not, you know, you're, you're not allowing for other, you know, lifestyle uh, choices. I
1: also never move. I smoke and I drink tons.
0: Those are confounding factors.
1: But I... In I'm the very vegan. most basic. But I'm a vegan, right? right? So like, if oh, dad's a vegan. We'll put him in the smart heart health category, right? <laughs> we didn't ask all the other things.
0: Right. So right. that that's a very okay. crude example of sure. a confounding factor. Okay. So unfortunately with Howard Schultz, he's been so bad at being a candidate. Like, I don't know if it tells us anything, just the fact that everybody hates him. I mean, I know what it means to us.
2: I mean. <laughs> but
0: when, when, when your dad says, I hate that Howard Schultz, it's probably just because he hates Starbucks because Starbucks said season's greetings on their... You know, cups. Well, or my
1: dad doesn't care. Not, not that.
0: your dad. I mean, your like, I, right. I say, your dad generically, all you guys out there, your dads, right? Right. And That's why Republicans is four percent Republicans. Like, but
1: well, you they didn't even give them right, the numbers yet, right? Like four. He's at four percent. Yeah, four percent,
0: and then over fifty percent, a disapproval with almost everybody, except I think like independents don't even care. They're like four percent like approval, thirty
1: percent and thirty percent disapprove, is this and guy? the
0: rest are like who. What?
1: And everybody everyone, I mean, even the highest numbers that he had was among Democrats at disapproval ratings that was like fifty four percent. And the rest were just like who the fuck is this? Well, guy? it
0: almost makes me think he's not even going for Democratic votes. He's 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 trying to start by peeling off never Trump Republicans. Right. And they're not going for it.
1: <laughs> well, and that's not enough to win a fucking anything. To um, win isn't it's basically so if we just want to go back to basic civics. It is basically impossible in this country to win a presidential election if you are not affiliated with a party. Because of the way that the Electoral College works, it's basically, impo- it's not basically, it's literally impossible to win um, a presidential election if you are not affiliated with the Democratic or Republican Party. And we can bitch about that all day long, and you can send me fucking nasty emails about independent parties and third parties and things like that. Until you change the system of um, the Electoral College, it's basically impossible for a third party Candidate to win a presidential election. The most they can do is is win 5% and then the next election cycle, they can have some poll in the electoral college. And like, this is a thing that independents get really mad at me about saying, but I'm talking to you... As a person with a political yeah. science fucking degree, it is impossible for an elect, an independent person to win the presidential election. Well, it's hold on. Possible. It's even
0: worse than what you're saying because Ross Perot got, what, like 19%? Right. And he carried zero states.
1: Correct. Zero. That's why, right? Because the popular vote does not count toward electoral college votes because the popular vote has nothing to do with party politics. Yeah. And party politics are who control the electoral college. And so if you don't have people in the Electoral College who are going to vote for you or a mandate that they must do so based on popular vote, which almost doesn't exist, then but you he didn't even literally win the cannot win no doesn't but what I'm saying in any is state. Doesn't but like he didn't win like he there wasn't like oh I won nineteen percent in Iowa so I got you know, one yeah, it's fifth not proportional. of the right. electoral college vote. There, it not got pr- zero electoral college votes. It's not proportional, which is the only way that you win. There are some proportional states, but you got to win a pretty good percentage to get that right. Those states are generally have a, only a couple here and there.
0: Oh, you mean like Maine and Nebraska, where they have the right. extra districts, or yeah.
1: So, like, there are a couple of states that do proportional electoral college voting, which means that if you win, like. Thirty percent of the vote, you get one third of their things. If they have three, right? No, I think that's generally for a geographical speaking,
0: district. Actually, I think that's generally how that works.
1: speaking, it is actually, and I'm not saying this like hyperbolically, actually impossible for a third party candidate to win the presidency in this country as the country is currently made up, right? Yeah, as our current political system and governmental system works, as our electoral system works, is literally impossible here's
0: another problem so the
1: only way the only reason you run as an independent is to get like a book deal or just do some bullfuckery or like there's no reason to do it because unless you win like a hundred percent of the popular vote you will get zero electoral college votes and the only way that you win the presidency is by electoral college majority here's another
0: here's another problem with this whole idea of any third-party candidate, Howard Schultz or not, like yes, the media gets very excited because they love saying the both sides are to blame for everything. Game, but the Democratic Party right now is not that unpopular. No, I mean they're overall, yeah, they're a little underwater, but if if even, but right now the Democratic Party is saying a lot of shit that people want to hear.
1: Yeah, because we're finally at this crisis point. Right?
0: I mean, they're, they're talking about universal health care, which is what people want. They're talking about taxing the rich, which is what people want. They're talking about how, no, immigrants really aren't our enemy and we don't need a fucking wall, which poll after poll after poll is what people think. The majority of people think, you know, we're n- <laughs> And we've, like, our issues have always pulled well, but the but me- people
1: are starting to talk about it. Yes. And we're starting to message better because. Slowly because, but surely. But because I think we're in this moment right now where. Um, we sort of don't give a fuck. It's mm-hmm. sort of like we've just been through this trauma. The entire country has been through this trauma of President Trump for the last two years, and
0: and we don't have time to fuck around. Anymore. We
1: don't. And I also don't like po- politics as normal is gone. And so I don't have to be like, oh, Social Security is the fourth rail or whatever. It's like Mm -hmm. nothing's the fucking fourth rail. President (laughs) Trump exists, okay? So like our party is gonna be like, we want universal this and universal that and fuck guns and fuck everything and we love the gays and women are great and we're gonna elect fucking Muslims and like Mm -hmm. I just fuck it. We're just like, no, I'm done with all the bullshit. Like I think the entire Democratic Party was just like, fuck you guys, fuck everybody, this is who we are, and everyone was like, love it, great.
0: Yeah, but Finally, now, now that right? the, the media is figuring that out, there's all these breathless, you know, they're gonna go too far to the left, and yeah, Howard and Schultz like, might pull them back, and all this and, bullshit.
1: Mm, let, up, let the fucking media write that shit. It doesn't change anything I am seeing from yeah. any of the people that just got elected. Any of them. They're yeah. all just like, go fuck yourself, and go fuck yourself, and go fuck yourself."
0: Certainly with the, the freshman class.
1: Oh, for sure. The new people. And like... I think I would say and I maybe this is too bold a thing to say, but I would I think that Nancy Pelosi was really bolstered by that freshman class in a way that like she was able to just be like go into the oval office and just be like no. And that's <laughs> it, right? Because yeah. she knows she's backed by people that are like fuck yes. And, like, that's what the American people want. That's what her party wants. She fucking won. Um, I think that this idea that we are, like, these sort of, like, um, cowardly lion kind of, like, we don't really know what we're doing, is, I think, that generation of Democrats feels over to me. Mm-hmm. And I think the new generation of Democrats is very much just, like, no, this is what we stand for. And, like, when you actually stand for the thing go ahead and do polling because everybody agrees with us we yeah. just said it the fuck out loud and when we said it out loud everyone was like, yeah that that's good that makes sense no yeah I like that and it's the thing I've been yelling and screaming about for years and I think yeah. I feel really like I feel like maybe this is the time when that happens
0: well yes for now it's gonna be interesting to see who our candidate is uh, there's a lot of good ones to choose I know, from but we that have that time.
1: This is the thing. I've got, we, we I do. got like seven, literally seven messages today from peripheral people in my life asking me about my opinion about the 2020 candidates.
0: Hyperventilating over the 2020 field, right? And, and the field isn't even finished yet. I'm
1: it. like, y'all.
0: It's still forming.
1: And this is not like a group text. This is seven separate people that were just like, what do you think about this? What do you think about this? What do you think? And I was just like, copy paste. Like, look.
0: Do your own homework. Listen to their, Here's, go online, read like, their platforms. I think
1: it's too early. Hear them talk. I think it's too early. I think it's going to be a really crowded field of a lot of really talented and qualified people. And I have no idea what's going to happen in two years. Yeah. Um, is X person that you sent me a link about on the top of my list? Yes or no. Um, <laughs> he, he, do you want to know the reasons why? Here they are. Um, but like, it's it's too fucking early.
0: Yeah, and that's why I don't pay attention to those polls at all no. in, when they come out. Because no. it's it's whoever the name you know or whoever just launched their campaign is at the top. Right. So, you right. know, it's pointless because it'll last a couple um, days and then we're on to whatever. Right. But... Um, I do
1: want to talk about, at some point, the sort of frontrunners, if you want to.
0: Well, we'll see if we get to that. I think there's more important stuff to to dive into. Uh, We will mention, just real quick, Cory Booker threw his hat in the ring today, officially, and uh, Sherrod Brown kind of unofficially did, uh, really badly, in my opinion. Uh, He said something to the effect of, this party has to start caring about the real blue-collar Americans, Mm. you know, wink-wink white people.
1: I mean, I'm going to tell you right now, whether you want me to talk about it or not, um, Cory Booker's at the top of my list. Uh, Sherrod Brown, I didn't know about that, would be at the bottom. Kamala Harris, also at the bottom, which might be kind of surprising, and that surprised a couple of my friends today uh, for reasons we talked about last week.
0: I wouldn't say Kamala's at the bottom, but she's not my top three.
1: She would not be at the top of my list. For reasons we discussed last week, which and is it will being continue a prosecutor, to discuss, uh-huh.
0: and that goes very much against our, our other friends on Daily Coast on Netroots Radio, yep. and that's okay. That's uh, you know what
1: if she is the nominee, I will vote the, for her. Uh, so obviously,
0: hard. obviously, but like so hard. it's okay that we have a crowded field and we have different preferences. It's okay. There's a lot of pressure right now. That I'm feeling even from people I respect. Like, eh, I don't know about this. Oh, no, you know, don't say anything negative about this candidate. It's like, no, no, no. We we, we have no, a field. It is our
1: job. And we
0: can give our opinion on who we prefer.
1: It is. That's the point of the primary is to describe and define the things about these people that we like and dislike and decide yeah. as a community, which is what the Democratic Party is. Right. It's not an institution. It's a community of voters.
0: Now, now you have to be mature enough not to make it a fucking zero sum game like we right. did with Hillary and Bernie. Right. Like... You know, and I mean, that's sort of what naturally happens when it's just two people going head to head for months and months and months and months and months and and shit gets ugly and we get that. But like, it's okay to have multiple good choices and then have one emerge from that and go with it.
2: And And the
1: way that you get the best possible candidate is by rigorous debate within the community without trying to be assholes and without there being this zero sum game. It's about rigorous debate. It's about... Look, Kamala Harris is fucking amazing. And yeah, she's fucking great at so many things. And I have a real problem with her prosecutorial record and her record in California around criminal justice reform. I have a real problem with that. This is my problem. So that's not why I would like to have her be the candidate. With the
0: Bernie people, like the Young Turks crowd and all that. Anytime any of these Democrats put their hat in the ring, they immediately just trash him. Nothing good about them. They just trash whatever it is they don't like about him. Right. And... Some of that is fair criticism, but like they that's their thing man they're 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 gearing up for Bernie or bust again, and we're not going to put up with it. no we are not going to deal with it no. and and i don't think and
1: that's that most goes on every front so i don't care obviously Bernie is going to be a problem um and his supporters are going to be a problem because they have never stopped being a problem and nor has he ever stopped being a problem. <laughs> right. So that's just going to be a thing we're going to have to deal with. Mm-hmm. And like, I wish he would just disappear off the earth. However, if we're talking about the other candidates that exist and we're having a real and robust debate within our community of Democrats and of liberals and of progressives and of radicals and we want to talk about things, I think you should be able to acknowledge that like, hey... Kamala Harris is not my first choice because of these things. However, she also has these really great characteristics, right? Cory Booker that requires
0: some maturity. In one of my first, like
1: top, he's in my top five, right? Mm -hmm. Maybe like top three. I really like him. I've been following him for years. And there's this statement he made during the you know sort of um, Romney Obama thing about like being capital and how we shouldn't like um talk badly about private equity. Yeah, he's Everyone got some economic stuff that. in there. He's and got like, some economic
0: okay. stuff to dig into. We for can sure. talk about that. For sure. Everybody
1: has their stuff, right?
0: Uh, yes, everybody. Everybody
1: has their stuff. And that's always gonna be the way that it is. It's always gonna be everybody has their stuff. And so what you have to decide is what what stuff matters to you more than what stuff doesn't matter to you. And for mm-hmm. me, Kamala Harris's stuff, being a prosecutor and that stuff that matters to me more like that's more of a minus for me than Cory Booker's private equity stuff. That's me. Mm-hmm. And you can disagree with me on that, and that's perfectly fine. And if either one of them were to become the candidate, the nominee, I would absolutely vote for any person who has currently uh
2: Well look even look, like look.
1: this bootleg leg, whatever the <laughs> <correct> guy's <laughs> name. bootlicker. Bo- boot giggy giggy, boot giggy diggy. I can't I don't know how to pronounce his name, I'm sorry. He's a joke, and I I read well, his look. platform, and I was like, no.
0: Well, look, let's go to the bottom of the list. If Joe Biden, if Grandpa Joe, got the fucking nomination, we would knock doors for. Of jo-
1: course. Well, I
0: think I'd put Tulsi Gabbard behind Joe Biden. I actually.
1: would absolutely. He's not the bottom of my list. He's not even close to the bottom of my list.
0: He's near the bottom. Tulsi Gabbard
1: me. is the absolute bottom of my list <laughs> yeah. because she's a racist, homophobe. Well, she's um, almost
0: out of money already. I don't think she's gonna. But like make again,
1: it if it's Tulsi Gabbard or Trump, I'm picking yeah it's the Democratic a, uh, nominee, obviously. For president. But
0: it won't be Tulsi Gabbard, so that's that's a hypothetical we Correct. don't. And that is need a hard thing to. for me
1: to say out loud because I so desperately hope that that never happens because she is absolutely garbage. But well, if it were to happen, if it were to happen today, and. Tulsi Gabbard were the Democratic <laughs> nominee. nominee for the president, and it was that or Trump. I would vote for this woman that I despise. We would
0: knock the doors and put up I the would yard signs, it. and I would. do the phone banking and do yep. all the things. And you then I would try would. to
1: like make bet your sure. Ass we would. Of course I would. Of course I would. It cannot. It cannot be the other side. It cannot be Trump, right? And or Pence. I would or Pence, and I would really hope that I could be able to talk to people that work for her and talk to people that canvas for her and like try to push her via party or via just like grassroots into like different positions than she currently holds and try to like illuminate her mind a little bit about the things that I find so problematic about her, mm-hmm. and yet I would absolutely vote for her and canvas for her and do whatever I have to do.
0: Well, that's what I thought the Bernie people were doing with Hillary. Remember I kept saying yeah. that. Like, oh, they're just pushing her to the left. No, they're trying to push her off a cliff yes. so that we get fascism because they're they're spiteful.
1: Oh, hi, here we are. Look at that. It worked. We have fascism. So. Yeah.
0: Yay. Yeah, yeah. good. So we're not putting up with that shit again, guys. We're not going to humor it. We're not going to, you know, no. I'm and just like
1: not to go on like a Cory Booker thing, but I have like a thing for Cory Booker. And I'm <laughs> going to get some shit about this. But I fucking love him. And um, I think that you should go back if you can to Netflix if you have access and watch this documentary called Brick City mm-hmm. where he attempted to become the mayor of Newark, New Jersey and failed. Um And then the follow-up of that, I forget the name of, but when he eventually became the mayor of Newark, New Jersey. um, And some of the sort of tremendous things that he did for the city and the the stuff that he did personally, like he lived in the most impoverished and most crime-stricken area of the city because the city was required to provide him security. Uh And so he could get extra security on the streets outside of his own residence um, to help protect the people who lived around him. He rescued his neighbor from a fire. He saved a dog. Like the dude is legit. I love him. I have met him. Um, I I just think he's he's the real deal. Well, and I I yeah. know leftists hate him, and that's okay with me. And I will t- take your hate mail. Travis will read it. Um, <laughs> but like, I really I don't think there's
0: that many uh, uh,
1: people don't like him. They they look at him as like this establishment too polished. Um, yeah. Uh, they, they, it's too moneyed, right? Because of the sort of private equity comments, which is like one thing he said out of his entire Well, career, remember how bent like, out of shape Jesus. they were
0: about Hillary Clinton giving a speech to Goldman Sachs? Oh, and
1: everyone's giving a speech now. So now it's like, well, I guess no one's qualified to be president on the Democratic Party because everyone's given a $200,000 speech. Literally, <laughs> I read this article in the fucking New York Times and I was like, great. So we have no candidates. Yeah. Um. Anyway, I I would encourage you to re, to watch Brick City. I think it sort of shows his character and like I don't know. Let's I, I'm a fan.
0: Let's go ahead and finish this first half on this is just some Democratic candidates. So Elizabeth Warren. Came out yeah. and apologized, yeah. which we were leaning on her to do. Not yes. that she listens to us yeah. specifically, but yes. uh, talked
1: about this last week, though. But like she, she actually needs to it, do some damage control, and she tried to do some this week.
0: But the the, the chief mm-hmm. of the Cherokee tribe actually reported that yes, she she came to me personally and apologized, and we had a good talk. And good, she had to do that. Um, she and
1: she apologized and she took accountability too. She said, "I should not have done that." Um, yeah, looking it was back bad that move. was a bad move on my part and I want everyone to know that I'm not a member of the Cherokee Nation and like that was a bad move on my part and that was my fault.
0: Yeah. Now that's not going to make the criticism from the right and the racist you know war whooping and calling her Pocahontas no. go away no, because no, there's, there's this urban the myth that was, she right? used it to get into Harvard or something which she didn't. No. Uh But in any
1: event because you know, that's just a misnomer right? There's no way that you can do that. The only way that you can um, use um, indigenous uh, heritage just as a way to get, get in. having actual tribal affiliation. Yeah, it's having you tribal affiliation. You can't just check a box on a, on you a paper. You can't just be like, oh, I'm native, therefore I get in for free. Like, it's <laughs> yeah. a whole process. And it's I a I've whole known thing. a lot of people who have done it, and it is very intense, and she didn't do any of that. No, of course not. Um, she was never saying any of that. She's sort of telling the same story that my family has told, which is that... Um, You know, your great great grandmother on your dad's side was an indigenous woman. I don't know if that's true. I don't know if it's not true. Um, Could
0: be, but you know, could
1: be, could not be.
0: But you don't call yourself indigenous because I do not.
1: No, right. And I, I certainly don't. um, Wasn't raised that way, and I, um, I don't. I'm very white passing, and so whatever sort of any other mixed race I might have in me, which we have some evidence that there might be, doesn't matter as much because I don't. I pass. I'm so fucking white, right. Um, So I think she did a really good job of why. I I don't know. We'll see. But she at least started. Real quick
0: before the break, I'm really disappointed that Joaquin Castro has not gotten any press for his run. He has announced he's running for president and he got about five minutes on the day he announced and now everybody's just (laughs) ignoring him.
1: Well, I think that... um, most of the media feels the way that you do, which is that like he'll be a really great vice presidential candidate.
0: Well, we still got to get to know the guy, so, so.
1: But I would like it. Give I him some airtime. Less I Howard Schultz, you. more Castro. I don't need Howard Schultz. I don't need this boogaloo guy either. I would much well, he's, rather have he's someone not who worked any... in the Obama White House, yes. who
0: headed DHS. Antonio, that's a big like, right. that's like, a, a big post, right. <laughs> big important post, and like a, they're just ignoring him because I don't know. He'd be the first you know hispanic candidate mm-hmm. so uh well, I guess wasn't Romney was parts hispanic or no he's
1: well we had Ted cruz, of course,
0: no well, the nominee, I mean if he were to win right but, yeah. no
1: i mean right i I agree with you um. And we can give him some airtime if you want. I mean, you're from San Antonio, you know guy, right? Like,
0: no, I don't know him personally.
1: Right, but you've been to like events where he was, and yeah. like, you know he was the guy around town. Yeah, he's he so he's cool so guy. desperate
0: he'll come on our podcast. That's I mean, desperate I'm not saying that
1: that's gonna happen. I'm saying <laughs> if you would like to talk about him from your personal experience, I
0: I had I did and I have, but yeah, he's he's in a very crowded field. Anyway, all right, that's gonna take us to the break. We have so much more to get to. I don't know how we're gonna squeeze it in in 45 minutes. But we got to talk about this Northam stuff. Yes. We got to talk about uh, shutdown fallout and more to get to. So we'll try to squeeze it in. (laughs) Don't go anywhere. Be right back. I'm so excited to get to the things you have to talk about. <laughs> Welcome back to a Reverend Testimony. Uh, okay, real quick, because Rachel doesn't want to waste too much time on this, but um, the government shutdown ended about a week ago, but in two weeks we have another deadline where Trump has to sign off on another continuing resolution or sign off on the budget, or we potentially have another government shutdown, although just tonight or earlier today... Trump indicated he's going to go ahead and do his stupid emergency declaration. Um, again. Again.
1: Which he didn't do before. He, didn't he didn't won't do, do again because well, he can't. He
0: was a little more definitive this time. Mm-hmm. He even said, like, these talks to, to create some kind of bargain are, are a waste of time, which he's that's – Right, they are, um, and nothing's gonna come of that, and I'm just gonna have to do an emergency declaration, which I might do, and stay tuned for my state of the Union address, and like hinting that he's gonna say that then, but supposedly McConnell mitch McConnell is is in his ear telling him, don't don't do the emergency thing, um it's a bad idea, you're gonna have you know Republicans turning against you on that it's going to create dissension in the ranks it's going to get tied up in courts it's a bad idea don't do it which begs the question then what is the plan
1: well does he ever listen to people saying some things a bad idea so don't do it uh he has that ever worked well really?
0: yes in the sense of the last person he talks to can get in his ear he'll 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 do what they say or not do typically yeah um Besides, he tends to surround himself with sycophants that say, yes, boss, whatever you want. McConnell isn't always one of those. I mean, he probably is a lot of the time, but on certain things, he's not. So Trump could say, yeah, fuck you, whatever, Mitch. You you know, you you haven't been helping me here. I'm just going to do this. Uh, Who knows what Miller is telling him or who knows what Ivanka is telling him. Um, So, you know, uh, but here's the thing. If Trump gets a hair up his ass two weeks from now and goes, now. Oh, fuck it, I'm shutting it down again. It, it actually worked for me and people will be on my side this time. Like, are you 100% sure he's not going to do that? No. I'm not. And then what does McConnell actually do? I, like, McConnell is saying, you know, up and down, oh, no, we're not doing a shutdown again as, as is every other Republican in Congress pretty much. But, like, when push comes to shove, if we're at this point again, are they actually going to say, fuck you, Trump, and and get the votes together to override a veto. Like, McConnell doesn't want to do that. You don't want to do that. And he doesn't want Trump to do... So McConnell is conceding there's, there's not going to be a fucking wall. We'll just try to run on that in 2020 and say Democrats are soft on the border or whatever. But Trump isn't ready to concede on it. So what I mean, happens in two weeks? I'm still not sure.
1: I mean... I fucking know. Uh, does Trump shut the government down again? Maybe, probably not. But like, probably not. Probably. But he could also he could try. Probably. I don't know. I live in an alternate universe where these things can happen, <laughs> and we don't without any have a rational like, actor. Right? Yeah. Exactly. There's no way to determine what this person will do because there's no way to. Uh, judge what a person should do.
2: And in
0: two weeks, who knows what will be happening in the world? Who knows what will be happening with the Mueller investigation? Who knows who will have been indicted? Like, two weeks is a lifetime in in this age of insanity. Um, But I am not convinced we're not going to have another fucking shutdown.
1: And I think it will be really bad for Republicans. And I think they know that. And I think that
0: yeah I don't of know. course it would be bad. It would be suicidal, but, but
1: like uh, but but the question isn't whether it's bad for them or not. It's if we all know that it's bad for them, then what do they do?
0: <laughs> well, they, <laughs> what do they do? They have not yet showed they're willing to stand up to Trump even when they know something's bad for them. Like, how did they think the shutdown was going to turn out? Like, okay, we'll keep the government shut down for a month. He'll realize how bad it was, then we won't have to do this again. Like was that their plan? Like,
1: like, have they met this man?
0: Well, have they met reality? Have they met him?
1: Because I have, and I'm like, mm, you think? oh, yeah, he doesn't care. The thing is, like, he doesn't care about any of that. What he cares about is that he looks good and is likable to a certain percentage of the population. <sighs> yeah. That's all he cares about. So their hand-wringing about what does this do for the party is like, well, you guys have done enough, like, I don't know what you even say about your party anymore. So I don't know. Probably they let it happen. And well, let's then, say he like, does this emergency
0: declaration. Know. Now, there's some worry that along with that, he'll name himself king and impose martial law. He's not going to, no. uh, he, he could try, but he's he's not going to be able to do any of that. Now, he, he could do his emergency declaration. And then what? He's also playing this game where he's trying to be like, Oh, it's all done. I already have the money, and we're already building the wall. Like he's he's playing, he's trying to play that right. that that three card right. Monty with his followers. Like, right. I I got this money from this pot over here, and actually right. the wall's already being built.
1: It's already under construction. It's already
0: under construction. Mm-hmm. So that, then it's like, okay, well then,
1: well, then you have what do you like, need an emergency sort of like declaration? Like mayors and why and do we people need a Coming out and being like, there is no crisis. Like there literally is not one. I'm the mayor well, of this border town, and like there's them. nobody that's not a thing that's happening. It just isn't yeah. a thing that's happening. Um, but like facts don't matter.
0: But that's how crazy it is trying to follow this guy is that like at 10 a.m. he'll say, oh, we, we got the money and we're actually already building the wall. And like, oh, OK, well, then. Every- oh, I'm going to do my emergency declaration. And then like and then, like, at, and then at one o'clock. Oh, I might shut down the government again. It's like you can't follow the fucking bouncing Adderall infused ball. Like
1: well, it's not even Adderall. It's like he's. He's dementia. (laughs) That too, right? I mean, like he just doesn't—he doesn't know what's happening, and he doesn't care. I mean, he said this week that like, um, his intelligence reports were wrong because it wasn't the way that it was covered on the news. I didn't know
0: if we were going to get to that. Um, That
1: literally happened. He literally said, "Like, I think that um, the intelligence reports might be wrong because that is not how the news covered it." (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah, he went to pu- at a public and feud with his intelligence chief. Our friend
1: Sarah Burris covered this uh, at Raw Story and was like, this is the most absurd thing of the week. Is like literally like, that's not what I heard because I didn't read the report, but I watched it on the news. And that's not <laughs> how they covered it. Do you understand that the news doesn't get the same information that you get as the commander in chief?
0: Well, what news was he even talking about? It must have been Fox, right? Even though he watches all of them. Well, I don't
1: know. But is that the point? (laughs) Is that the point? Is the point that he's like, well, the news said different things than my intelligence, my top secret intelligence report as the president. I didn't read that. But I watched the news, and that's not and the what it news said. It said something
0: different. Or, so yeah. the news
1: must be right? <laughs> Even though it's the the fake news that nobody should, the enemy of the people. I mean, it's it's it's. But that
0: that's perfect Trump, right? He d- he can't focus and he hates intelligence briefings. He doesn't pay attention to them. He just wants to go watch TV. And then he, so calls he pays them attention naive. when he's watching TV. Mm-hmm. And then on TV they say something like, "Well, that's what's going on," and like, he's well, "What like, do you mean this other well, thing?" Well, then happened? my intelligence on, on agencies
1: must be naive, he says. <laughs> yeah. My intelligence agencies are naive. Yeah, that went because well. Fox News said this, and you're like all right, we're like literally <laughs> at idiocracy here. Like we're done. Yeah. We're done. It's over. Well, it's done. Well,
0: I was going to say that's one, that's actually one area where McConnell actually put his foot down and said like, no, nah, this, this yanking all the troops out of Syria is a bad idea and we're going to, we're going to try to stop you. Now, whether that actually happens, we'll see, but uh, <laughs> huh? anyway. All right. I want to move on. Yeah. I really do. do you want to get to Northam?
1: No, I want to talk about something else entirely. Okay. Um, This is something that's really important to me and should be to everyone else Um, there is a jail in Brooklyn, New York yes Um, the headline from the New York Times is no heat for days at a jail in Brooklyn where inmates, I'm sorry where hundreds of inmates are sick and frantic so you guys know this is near and dear to me that prisoners should be treated like I don't know fucking people.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, more than a thousand inmates have been stuck in freezing cells at a federal jail on the Brooklyn waterfront that has had limited power and heat for at least this week, according to federal public defenders and leaders of the unions representing the jail's correctional officers. "Quote: They just stay huddled up in the bed," said June. Ben Sebi, a case manager at the jail and treasurer of the local chapter of the American Federation of Government Employees, which represents about 500 correction officers at the jail. The jail, the Metropolitan Detention Center, houses more than 1,600 inmates and lies in an industrial swath near the waterfront in Sunset Park, Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. Some inmates are linked to high profile drug trafficking and terrorism cases, while others are comparatively anonymous. New, York aware- New Yorkers awaiting trial. The accounts of conditions at the jail were described to the New York Times by six lawyers and paralegals with local federal defenders' offices who had spoken with around three dozen inmates at the MDC, two union leaders, and an employee at the jail who was not authorized to speak publicly. A spokeswoman for Herman Quay, the jail's warden, said in an email that the building experienced a partial power outage on Saturday, but denied that it had affected heat and hot water in the jail's housing units. In an emailed statement, the Federal Bureau of Prisons confirmed that the jail was, quote, experiencing a partial power outage, unquote, and operating on emergency power. Quote, cells have heat and hot water. There is lighting in the common areas and inmates are receiving hot meals, the agency said. Mm -hmm. Not true. The Bureau of Prisons indicated that electrical failure was related to Con Edison, which it said had been dealing with numerous power emergencies in the community. A spokesperson for the utility, Robert McGee, disputed the characterization and said Con Edison had not had problems in New York during the cold spell. It's an internal problem, and their electricians will have to fix it, he said. End of story. Union leaders and defense lawyers also rebutted the account of the jail's warden and the Bureau of Prisons. Federal defenders said they were flooded with calls from inmates this week as temperatures began to drop. Our phones were ringing off the hook, said the lead federal defender in Brooklyn, Deidre Von Dornum. She said inmates using a dedicated line that connects the jail to federal defenders' offices had gathered around the telephones on their floors to report poor heating, little to no hot water, and no lights in their cells. On Thursday, Rachel Bass, a paralegal at the Brooklyn Office of the Federal Defenders, said that she had fielded calls from from about 15 inmates, quote, In the past hour, I've gotten 11 calls. People are frantic. They're really, really scared. They don't have extra blankets. They don't have access to the commissary to buy an extra sweatshirt. She said many inmates complained of congestion and sore throats. The president and local chapter of the union, Anthony Sannon, said that problems began around January 5th when the jail first lost power. The heating issues began last week, leaving inmates and staff to face freezing weather for the first time. We didn't have heat in the building. We didn't have light. The weather was actually unbearable. The heat and power issues were unrelated, according to union leaders who spoke to facilities workers. The heating issues began when the units that draw water up from the boilers froze. The workers said that the heat was on, but several units had been disabled. The electrical problems originated in an electrical panel that blew out last month, the union leaders said. Although the panel was initially repaired, it caught fire on Sunday. The jail then switched over to emergency power, leaving the corridors lit only by dim lights. The dark cells and inmates confined to poorly heated cells during the coldest days of the winter so far. This is during the polar vortex. Yeah. Okay. It goes on and on, and I can go on and on. They've also um, stopped... Being able to give the inmates hot meals Mm -hmm. because they are unable to make hot meals because they have no fucking electricity and no heat. Um, They have no... The inmates have no access to um, visits, either from their legal teams or from their families. So there's basically no communication coming out from the prison. Um, So... Let's talk about this.
0: Yeah, prisoners have rights. They have rights. Prisoners are human beings, guaranteed under the Constitution, even though they're prisoners. When you when you become jailed or you're a prisoner, you do not uh, cease to become a citizen cease to or become a human. A citizen or a human being. That is correct.
1: And the Eighth Amendment expressly says that cruel and unusual punishment, which I would think that being in a polar vortex. And having no access no to heat, heat, no meals, no visits, no blankets, and no ability to obtain those things for yourself because the commissary is closed would certainly be cruel and unusual punishment.
0: Absolutely it would. Now, that's the problem, right? These, are, these aren't some kids at a prep school where, you know, lawyers and rich parents can rush in. These are prisoners. So
2: the so nobody cares for them, yeah.
1: Except I fucking care. I fucking care a lot. I care a lot. Um, these are human beings that are being imprisoned by the prison state, which is basically privately run at this point mm-hmm. for the most part. I have no idea if this particular facility is, but I would imagine it probably is. It's
0: a federal prison, so... Likely. Yeah.
1: Um, and if we choose to um, imprison people... And we choose to put people in cages. And we take custody of those people, which we should not do. But if we do that, the very basic necessity that I think is required is that the people that are in those people's custody are at very least given the basic things to survive, which would be heat and food. Right? Mm Mm-hmm. Um... The fact that that's not happening is uh, an atrocity.
0: It it needs to get in front of a judge, um, and that's not no guarantee, of course, of anything happening. Right. But that's what needs right to happen, judge. and hopefully it does. And then a court has to, you know, order them. And to, in to the fix meantime,
1: this. during the polar vortex, what happens to these men?
0: Yeah. This How long does it
1: take? How is, long does it take for them to get emergency relief? Yeah, A week? This, A month?
0: This is something for Bill de Blasio to take charge of and fix. And I hope he is. And I hope he's getting an earful. But again, it's about who, are, who is advocating for these people.
1: And who cares about these people? And I want you to know that you should care about these people. Yes. You, as my listener, should care about these people. I care about them. I care about all of them. And I don't care if they committed some horrendous crime and murder and rape, I don't care. If we're going to take someone's liberty away and put them in a cage and take custody of them, then it is our very minimal, absolute
2: job and responsibility to
1: make sure that basic things like heat and meals are a thing that they can experience. Otherwise, it is an absolute violation of the Eighth Amendment. And I don't know what's going to happen to these men. And I understand if you don't like inmates or prisoners or whatever. You don't think we should be focusing our attention on I don't care. I want to. And you can stop listening to this podcast now because I care about these people. They are human beings.
0: And if if we don't, then we're no better than the people we're always butting heads with (laughs) about... Humanity. And then don't get us started about how many people are probably there either just stuck awaiting trial because the system is effed or on trumped up charges or just because they're a certain color. Plea deal
1: because they had a bad lawyer. Yeah, they're not all
0: bad guys. I can assure you that. Even
1: the ones that are bad guys still get to have fucking heat and a meal. Yes, exactly. And so even fucking Ted Bundy, even the worst people in the world still have the basic right of like, you know. Being humanized and being a human being. Yeah. So if you want to look more into this, I would encourage everyone, even if you don't care about this particular situation, but it, just generally to go to blackandpink. dot um, org, uh, which talks exclusively about prisoner rights and uh, and and will connect you to resources about how to like write letters to prisoners, which is one of the nicest things that you can do with your spare time in the world. They love it very much. Mm-hmm. Um. But also about things like this that I think are really important and that we don't talk enough about and like, I guess kind of fuck you if you don't care. Because I do. Okay. Moving on.
0: Moving on. Uh, Ralph Northam, the government, governor of Virginia.
1: <sighs> this story was hard for me today.
0: Well, it's unraveling as we speak. It's, it's, just, mm. it's a few hours old. Uh, it was discovered somehow only now. That Ralph Northam. By this,
1: like, super right wing ex Breitbart uh, reporter who worked for I, the Joe Arpaio campaign, by the way. Uh, no, Just it so was that,
0: Roy Moore, but oh. I don't care who discovered it. It doesn't it's matter. It's totally unimportant. It right? doesn't matter. Um, it was discovered uh, only now that Ralph Northam, when he was in medical school, which is weird that medical schools have yearbooks, but in his yearbook.
1: Right? Did your college have a yearbook?
0: Oh, we did. Uh, oh, my
1: college did not. No,
0: we did. That I, just, I, knew I didn't of. bother buying it or anything. I had not,
1: that I knew of, mine didn't. But anyway.
0: And I didn't pose for a picture for it or anything. But for whatever reason, this guy's medical school in the 80s had a yearbook and he had a page. And on his page, it was like him in front of a car and him, I don't know, fishing or something. And then there was a picture of two people and it's not clear which one he is of one like a Halloween party, uh, ostensibly with somebody dressed in blackface like old school Al Al Jolson minstrel tar Mm -hmm. blackface Mm -hmm. next to someone in a KKK outfit and I guess like yeah and I guess that was supposed to be funny or cute or whatever but yeah that dropped like a bomb today and almost everybody who is saying anything is calling for him to resign um which, can I say... I don't want to say it's surprising, but it is different because 10 years ago, I don't know that everybody would be calling for him to resign.
1: Can I say something about it? Yes. Um, this is not like some bombshell conservative guy found a picture, you know, that somebody else had that may or may not be Northam, right? This is a photo, like if you've ever done a yearbook, you get to pick which pictures you put in your yearbook. Yeah, You get to choose them, you get to choose the quote that goes at the bottom. It's your representation of yourself. In 1984, he decided that of the three photos he was going to use, one would be him just standing in like a field, one would be him in front of his convertible, and one would be this photo which was a person in blackface and a person in KKK robes. He chose that picture to publish in his yearbook under his name in 1984.
0: As a med school graduate, not as a teenager. Nope. Not as a middle schooler without a brain. 25 years old. As someone who was graduating from medical school uh, at 25 and...
1: And not like 60 years ago. Like I was already alive when he posted this. Right, yeah, when he put this was this would be the equivalent of him posting this to like this would be like his like Twitter or Facebook avatar for a minute, right, uh-huh, this is a thing that he was like, this represents me,
0: and you know of it the was, three
1: things that represent me, I own a nice car, I stand in fields, and also I'm racist
0: and it was just a week ago that the Florida Secretary of State got caught. In blackface, in yes. 2005. We talked about that on last week's podcast. So this is like fresh in everybody's mind. Uh, and that guy was a Republican appointed by the Republican governor, and the Republican governor fired him.
1: Right now, this guy is a Democrat who yeah. ran for governor. Um, he against d- a
0: really horrible guy that was running basically as Trump Jr. and Ed Gillespie.
1: Right, by all accounts, should have won, but didn't because it was 2017 and everyone was sick of Trump. And Northam and- won easily. He won. And, you know, when Charlottesville happened, he was the governor of the state. And he immediately came out and um, talked Trump shit about and, Trump yeah. for saying both sides. He came out and said that, like, all Confederate statutes should be taken down. He later sort of backed down on that and said, like, it should be up to localities. But in my personal opinion, um, these kind of monuments are detrimental and dangerous and harmful. He, um, I mean, he, he has been... Sort of like in solidarity, right, Mm -hmm. with us, and so for me, this was like a kind of punch in the face. Well, for
0: the most part, during the campaign, he was a little squishy on sanctuary cities, um, but that's kind of irrelevant now.
1: (laughs) But I mean, like, you know, politically, that makes sense, right? I mean, like. He makes sense as a Democratic governor of a Southern state. Yeah,
0: and, he, and, he's, and le- he's, he's legislated like a
2: Democrat. A
1: little governor. bit more like a Democrat than most Democrats in Southern states. In some ways, in a lot of ways, well, and that, like I, he's sort of unequivocal <laughs> about like anti racism and and like his pastor is a black man. And, like, he, when he was campaigning, like, he went to all of these, like, black churches. Like but now but now it makes you and question like,
0: all of that, doesn't it?
1: Well, what does it make me question? Like, that's the question, right? Like, I, I'm... It makes I'm, me
0: question whether this guy's just a political mercenary. Remember, like, when Dick Cheney had to, like, the, somebody decided for him, like, oh, I have to go clerk with the Democrats, so why don't you go with this Republican guy? And Dick Cheney said, yeah, sure, whatever. <laughs> and then the rest is history, right? Like... Who knows what this is, 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 this guy's really all about? Because I, I would think, I mean, I guess, I guess the political calculation, like, oh, boy, I hope nobody sees that yearbook photo. Or otherwise, like, this is a thing from my past I should get out in front of right now. And he may not have survived that, but, like, it makes you call into question everything. At least, yeah. especially if I was an African-American and I campaigned or I voted uh, for Northam, I would question everything now. I'm like, who are you really? Like you're saying all the right things and like, is this just because, is this just the path you went on because you thought it would be the best for your political career and you don't actually believe any of this stuff?
1: But I don't think that that's true necessarily. I don't know what's true. But uh, not, no, I don't, what I mean is I don't know that politically that would have been best for his career. I think that so many of these Southern governors and Southern sort of um, political people have come out and said like this is about our heritage and like all of those people have have done really well and his sort of like no, this is bad. It's dangerous. All of them should come down. It's harmful to Black people. Like this is a thing that I stand behind. Well,
0: Virginia has changed more rapidly than a lot of other Southern states. It's like a solidly blue state now. And right. they tried to run an old school neo Confederate George Wallace type in Corey Stewart for Senate, and he got destroyed. Right. Granted, it was by Tim Kaine, who's been an incumbent there forever. And Tim
1: Kaine was like, "Oh, he's so great." But like also he is a moderate. Like he is absolutely like on all of the things pretty moderate democrat. Like but sure, he, but but yeah. the fact that he's been so vocal about these racial issues and then this thing comes out is like it really was like a punch in the face for me. Like I was like holy shit. It's
0: a punch in the face for everybody. Right? Like
1: what the fuck are you what? And like here's what I'll say. You know, prior to his because there was no response all day. Like, none. Like, he didn't say anything. His yeah, campaign manager wouldn't one. say anything. Yeah. Nobody would say anything. And then finally, he came out with this very, like, uh, I don't know. You saw it. it I, I, didn't see I, I
0: it. would call it a boilerplate uh, scandal response. Now, he did at least say, I take responsibility. And he said, Yes, this was racist. So he did get that. But the, the whole feeling was very, like, by the numbers response to a scandal like answer like it didn't feel spontaneous it didn't feel heartfelt it didn't feel like it had any depth at all like any
1: authenticity or any like Like i really believe that what i'm saying like the
0: words were there but like you know it was shot in his office and you know his hair was perfectly quaffed and it was it was all it didn't work and I mean nobody bought it. Uh, look. And I didn't buy I, it.
1: No, and I I don't either. And I didn't even watch it because I was just so just like I mean you
0: didn't have to watch it. It was exactly what you would expect. Exactly what you would and expect. And
1: exactly what I wish didn't happen.
0: If, if his, right?
1: Like if somebody like that who has this then track record of like pretty good racial politics for the south mm-hmm. came out and said, "Holy shit." I, you know what, this was the worst decision I have ever made. I forgot that it existed, which he probably did. Um, no,
0: he didn't forget.
1: That he put that in a, I mean, what? I don't remember what picture I put in my fucking yearbook. I don't I, remember. I but think- he didn't make that argument. Even if he didn't, it doesn't matter. If he was just like, this was terrible, I had a different... I was immature
0: and I was stupid and stupid and like
1: I I didn't understand like the things that mattered and like I mean you could say a bunch of things but you have to take full fucking accountability and be like that was racist that was awful I was awful I don't know why that was or here's why I thought that would be a good thing because I thought it would be funny and in retrospect like that being funny is actually just like really harmful and really racist And, like, here are the things that I have done to, like, make up for that. Or, like, here are the things I want to do. Or, like, I don't know. Any sort of just, like, mea culpa. You should still resign. (laughs) You should still resign.
0: Not that this would help, but I, I, I would at least get the joke if he was, like, actually, like, my friend in the robe was a black guy. And we were doing a thing. Like, then I'd be, like, oh, it's still terrible. It was still a terrible idea. It's still horribly offensive, but... Okay, I I see mole, that. Or whatever. But I bet it was stupid.
1: No, he didn't say that though. Right? He didn't he did not me a culpa. He did not take full responsibility and say this was horrible and racist and I was awful and I have done all no, of this. No, there, there's no good like time to do blackface. Make me make myself better and like here's the things I've learned and here's why I wouldn't do that today. Um he should still resign even if he did all of that. The only
0: way he survives not resigning is doing serious mea culpa work and hitting the pavement and doing town halls like in black communities and listening to his black constituents tell him to his face what that means to them. Right. And that is all televised and he takes it all. And he doesn't make excuses, and he doesn't get defensive. No. He takes it. That's is the only impossible way. Impossible
1: for white people. It is impossible. <laughs> it is really for white people. Really hard to, to do imagine him doing things. that. Two things. One thing that's impossible for white people is to listen to people tell them that they're racist. Mm-hmm. Ever. And secondly, if they do that, to not get defensive, it is. I th- like I've only known like oh, sure. three I, white I, people in my life who can listen to someone say hey that was really racist I, and they I, go like oh my god I can really? tell you Holy from shit, experience how
0: being younger tell me I would, oh my god. I would feel defensive or get defensive on the behalf of white others. defensiveness
1: is one of the hallmarks of white supremacy
0: absolutely and it's insidious it yeah.
1: is and it's a thing that we all protect for each other too yeah right totally. we all protect each other's uh, white supremacy by not making each other feel uncomfortable yep um, and so yeah, no, I, I, I think he should resign And I think he should do so with like a really strong statement of like, you know what, you're right. And like I am not equipped to um, govern this state that is so diverse and that has such like a racist um, history. And given my, you know, um, really bad judgment about this picture, um, I think that I'm going to do some self-reflection about like why I thought that was a good idea at the time and why I'm, I'm different now, but I think someone else should lead us. And it should be my lieutenant governor, who is a black man, by the
0: yes, way. Yes, that is to be completely politically cynical for a moment. <laughs> there, there is some safe space for everybody to be calling for him to resign because it would be his lieutenant governor, who is a young, up-and-coming uh, African-American gentleman who made some headlines last week for refusing to honor robert e lee
1: which i love him for, and like great
0: so uh, a lot of people think northam doesn't survive the weekend
1: right and i don't think he should i don't think he should i
0: think he should resign yeah but whether he actually will or not is a question i mean he he also probably understands the climate right now too in the ne- over the next forty-eight hours, there's going to be eight hundred other huge stories that wipe this Northam thing completely out of the headlines, and he may just hope it goes away. Um, it won't go away for me and you, and it won't go away for the NAACP, and it won't go away for African American voters in Virginia.
2: For
1: black folks who live in his state. Yeah. Right? I mean, yes, but he, if he's he did say to, all the right things yeah. after Charlottesville. And yes, he did say all the right things about the monuments. And then he did backtrack a little, which was upsetting. But like, you know, he did a lot of good things. But like, okay. But you also know that you had that picture in your yearbook, right? Like, yeah. You know that exists. And you did that. And you never fucking like owned that.
0: Just for a thought experiment real quick. If this was Matt Bevan, let's say, governor of Kentucky. That? Oh. Okay. Uh, how many Republicans would be immediately calling for him to resign?
1: None. A
0: couple. A couple would. No, no,
1: no, no, no. Zero. Maybe one or two. Zero of them. Zero.
0: I'm just saying. No, I, I zero don't, of them. I, I don't want to do the what about game, but just like I'm thinking, you know, I have to, I can't help but think like if this was DeSantis, if this was Matt Bevin, you know, if this was. Here's the deal. Steve Ducey. The difference
1: is this. There are people who are bad everywhere. Yeah. Right? They exist in every party, in every class, in every race, in every gender, in every sexual orientation, and every gender expression. Bad people exist everywhere. And the difference between the Democratic Party and the Republican Party in this specific situation is that when someone's past comes back, to haunt them because they did something really bad our party does not rally around them and try to protect them our party calls for their resignation for
0: the most part i would agree with that certainly now in this day and age yes
1: and if i think that's the difference like we're not i'm not going to go to bat for every person who puts a d next to their name and say they must be good yeah that's not possible right um when I find out that someone is not good, though, then I no longer want to associate with them, and so I would call for his resignation because you no longer uh, are someone. You don't represent our values. You don't represent as our values, anymore. and so you no longer get to represent our values. And I don't care what your party affiliation is. Um, you don't represent my values, so you're gone, and that's it. And it's over and it's done. And, and I don't hear a lot of Democrats being like, well, maybe blah, right? Like, there's yeah. not that happening. It's just you're done. And conversely, on the other side, there's a lot of like, you know, well, well, maybe, but. And who knows? And also, and, and that was a long time right? ago.
0: And mm-hmm. you know, maybe you mean boys. it that way, and
1: maybe that's not him in the photo. Well, that's and the
0: thing that kills he me. He didn't do it, that. Is that, and it's um, like you
1: know, uh, you just say that you don't care. Just come out and say what you mean, which is, I don't fucking care that he was in blackface, because it, that doesn't matter to me. Because that's all you're saying. You're just saying it in different words.
0: Sure. Anyway, yeah, it is ironic that Roy Moore's people <laughs> found it, but. Uh, you know who cares it, but
1: that, that's but my point is that like they're gonna try to paint this as like see the democrats are they're this the real way. racist yeah and whatever. you're like well no but we want him to resign yeah now. we're
0: tossing him over. we would so like that him to really go work. away now
1: because of that yeah. we the president said that you should be in office <laughs> because of that and worse yeah right uh same with the me too thing like
0: you Just know real quick we only got a couple minutes left but uh <laughs> talking about where's the constituency uh, some Republicans on the hill are very very concerned that Roger Stone was treated unfairly by the FBI <laughs> where is the constituency for poor Roger Stone getting woken up at 6 a.m. and his dogs being kind of scared They're like what what I, I don't understand Lindsey Graham's got a hard-on for this now some other Republicans have a hard-on for this now is this just oh, kissing you don't up like to the Trump
1: FBI? good me either is
0: this just kissing up to Trump like, I mean, like, where Where do they think they have some, like, ooh, the American public is not going to like poor Roger Stone getting woken up that early? <laughs> like, Dude, what?
1: Like this is my favorite part about this whole thing. It's just Republicans being like, I don't like the NSA spying. The heavy spying. hand of law enforcement. I don't yeah. like the heavy hand of law enforcement. <laughs> I don't think the FBI should get to do this. The FISA I'm like, court is I'm just is like, too, too,
0: too broad. It's too broad. Is.
1: I love (laughs) that. It's not going to last, though. It's all out the window
2: when Trump's gone. Do you want
1: to do something about that? Because I actually agree with you that the FBI and law enforcement and the state in general has too much power. We can have a conversation about this because I agree
0: with you. They want to do something to it to the extent it saves (laughs) Trump's ass. Once he's done, they're back to the surveillance state, back to kicking down weed dealers' doors. Of course.
1: But do you know how fun it is? Right now,
0: not to me. It's just it, it's like just oh. a, no. It's just annoyingly hypocritical, is all it is to me.
1: Of course it is, but it's also fun to just like and
0: and the second have a
1: soundbite and of like we're a done, Lindsey Graham yeah. talking about how and terrible the state is, and
0: all they're probably talking about and it's just the like oh yeah. god,
1: I know I'm you're right. <laughs> I love it. Let's play that clip next time you run for office.
0: Well, that's why a smart Democrat <laughs> should take them up on. I mean, now they're you know they're now they're like, ooh, we get these crossover votes, but they should be smart and be like, great, let's draft this legislation to scale back, yeah, the power of F- these FBI institutions. and the CIA
1: and the NSA and the FISA courts. Let's but, let's, let's well, dramatically scale back the power. Whenever of Whenever it
0: gets down to brass tacks, though, even those big talkers are like, well, uh, you know, maybe. Oh,
1: not. you don't want to dramatically no, really. disempower the state? No, I just oh. want to rant about it on Fox oh. News
0: to say oh. that Trump's getting a raw deal. Oh. Okay. Uh, we had a lot we didn't get to, obviously, because we just can't. And we're not going to do extra time because it's our Friday night. And we want to yeah. try to – I don't want to say try to enjoy it to imply we don't enjoy talking to you on this of podcast. Of course we do. But there's other things we'd like to do yeah, <laughs> for please. the rest of the night. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, all right. Find us on Twitter at irreverentduo, Testimony at gmail.com. Uh, I have been Travis. I'm Rachel. Talk to
2: you next week. everybody.